0: This is the Veterinary Project Podcast, episode 33.
1: Welcome to the show created by vets featuring absolutely no pets. This is the Veterinary Project Podcast, hosted by Dr. Michael Bug and Dr. Jonathan Light. Our resident veterinarians have swapped out their stethoscopes in favor of microphones to bring you the Veterinary Project Podcast, a show focused on real conversations, aimed to connect this amazing profession full of remarkable people. Through the sharing of collective stories and wisdom, and connecting over the many unique challenges we face, we invite you to join our community of veterinary professionals leading intentional lives. And now, here are the hosts of the Veterinary Project podcast, Dr. Michael Bug and Dr. Jonathan Light.
0: All right. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Veterinary Project Podcast. Just Mike and Johnny with you today. We are going to dive into some business stuff. But first, let's catch up. I mean, we haven't recorded in a while. This is what happens when
2: you're on the ball. We're pre-recording now. We're getting things together. We have some exciting things happening
0: behind the scenes. Feels good, but I miss you, bud. I miss you, too. I think you just jinxed us. We're probably going to have guests cancel and fall behind and miss a bunch of episodes now.
2: Very possible. Very possible. But I don't think so. I think we got our shit together. See, I'm swearing already. It's not allowed.
0: You can't help it today. It's one of those days. It It is one of those days. Yep. So there we go. What's happening your way? Uh, Just diving in uh, real estate. I'm trying to close on some deals. I I think I mentioned it last recording. We had an eight plex and a 12 plex. Those are getting closer. Um, We were away I think it was last week. I don't, my days are all scrambling together. I think it was last week. Uh, I called it, I called it your vacation on vacation. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was interesting. So, and Rosalie's like the master of finding good deals. And so we went uh, up North. It's a place called Elkridge. It's like a little resort. It's kind of the swing season right now. So they had a really good deal if you went during the week. Um, So we went up there, I think it was like Tuesday to Friday, you know, just to get like a change of pace, really. Um, nice. Yeah, and it was and we it was, were we
2: were on the call we were on the call with a couple of ladies down south in the states that were from New
0: Jersey and they were making fun of us, weren't they? <laughs> well, yeah, I was in a little log cabin uh, trying to jump in on the call with spotty Wi-Fi, um, and what it was, you know, I, I don't know. I'll give myself like a fifty percent grade on this one. My my twelve week year that I talked about in our goal setting uh, episode. What, what you're supposed to do with your 12-week year is take a week in between quarters, right? Quarter one wraps up, quarter two is just starting where you, you go on vacation, you get away, uh, you decompress quarter one, you set your goals for quarter two. And then just the way the scheduling fell, we ended up going a week early. So we were still kind of in quarter one. So we were, I was still working slash being on vacation. So I kind of tried to work the mornings and take the, take the afternoons off. I don't, I wouldn't recommend that. You know, I think if you're going on vacation, leave your computer at home and go on vacation, but that's yeah, it is they, what it is. They talk about it, but
2: I don't know. I think it's still impressive that you guys are, are consciously making that effort to get away. Uh, it does make a difference.
0: Yeah. And hopefully soon. I mean, we got the mountains on the list and then once travel is easier. Um, I just wrote the bio for my bio for our website. That's coming up only six months late. Um, and I said, I, in another life, I think I was a beach bum because I just can't wait to get to the ocean and get to a beach. And anyway, I'm rambling. There we go. That's awesome. Well, we've got an exciting short episode today, correct? Yeah. So we're going to dive in. I mean, Jonathan, you're going to be the resident expert here because every time we talk, I learn so much from you on this stuff. Um, so for our listeners, we're going to kind of dive into a PL statement, a profit and loss statement. We are going to do this in two parts because there's too much here, uh, to try cram into just one 15 or 20 minute episode. Um, so in the first part here, we're going to, we're going to focus on some, some expense line items. And then in the second episode, move into more EBITDA and Jonathan's going to tell us why that's important. Um, so before we dive in, I guess, Jonathan hit us with a quick tip and we'll get rolling.
2: Oh, that quick tip time. Okay. I'm going to quick, I'm going to keep this very simple for us, uh, COVID has thrown all of our lives into disarray Uh, up here in Canada. It's tax season. Make sure that you're looking into some different tax options for you as it relates to COVID options, Uh, rebates, uh, credits and such, whether it's in Canada or the States, things have changed dramatically this year for all of us. And this goes without saying, that's why this is a very simple, quick tip. Make sure you're talking to an accountant or somebody from a professional manner. There's a lot on the table for us this year that way, uh, with our government supporting us. So don't leave that money off the table. It's there for you.
0: Nice. Okay. I think this is a perfect time for me to also throw in a disclaimer on this discussion. We are not accountants. We are not lawyers. Uh, we are leaning on mostly Jonathan's, uh, Fairly vast experience in the veterinary world, um, you know, so I'll let you add anything you want to that and we'll, we'll get rolling.
2: Perfect. So basically, in the end of that disclaimer is this is our experience. Don't take this as financial direction and or recommendations for how you should be completely running your veterinary business. This is our experience only. Disclaimer done.
0: Awesome. Okay, Jonathan, a P&L statement. When I look at them, um, you know, initially anyway, it kind of makes me want to puke. There's numbers everywhere. There's lines everywhere. If you have no training, it looks like you're reading another language. So let's start unpacking that for our viewers. Make this simple so that they know what they're looking at um, and why is it important to them?
2: Love that. Great question. Great point of start. Unfortunately, I'm sorry to hear about your vomiting episodes or that lack thereof. Uh, a PL. It's it. To me, um, as you get more into them and you look at them month over month, it allows you to know what the backbone of your business is doing. And in my view, it allows you to really be able to tweak in a big way to the profitability and the success potential for your business. Uh, in my experience, when you're working, so when I'm working with new clinic managers, it is not uncommon for them to come at it from the exact standpoint of what you're talking about, Mike, what is this? Holy heck, Jonathan, I didn't go to school for this. What am I supposed to be learning from these thousand numbers that are in front of me? So when we're talking about vet clinics and we're looking at with our employees, with clinic managers, those in leads positions, um, a great question to start with. And I'm going to open that up here on this podcast is, If we bring in a dollar of revenue, what are we left at at the end that is going into the
0: owner's pocket? I want you to think about that. Well, I would say, I mean, the public perception is probably a hundred million dollars for every, like just so much money goes in the owner's pocket. There's just Just loaded, right?
2: Loaded, overflowing. So with that, we have a dollar coming in. What actually is landing in the owner's pocket? Whoever that is, whether that's a consolidator, uh, private practice, et cetera.
0: Okay. Well, that's a great question. And, and by the end of this, we're, we're going to answer that. And it should be clear how we got to that number. Or perhaps we'll wait until episode two to episode let us two. know about okay. that.
2: Let's do that.
0: Okay. So so dive into it. I mean, obviously up at the top and we're only hitting big things because there's just there's no point hitting every line item um, profit comes up first. I mean, that's pretty self-explanatory, right? You can break it down by categories. I don't, I don't really know if we need to dive into that or what you want to add in there.
2: I'll keep it simple. So when we look at the different revenue line items that go into a veterinary practice, you have some big ones. You have some such as outpatient services, all of those professional services that you do towards vaccines, etc., that utilize your professional skills. You have other ones such as, um, radiology, surgery, anesthesia, a big one being your laboratory and what you bring in in revenue that way, your food items, all of those hit your PL to go to your revenue line item. And that revenue line item is a total of all those categories together. And depending on your business and how you set it up, you might have different numbers of categories that you go off of. I like to have it a little bit more detailed so I can break it down and know month by month or year by year, what are we doing? So if I sold $50,000 worth of Purina food last year and it went down to 40,000 in this year. Well, that's a 20% difference. I want to know about that cuz that's a substantial number. Where did it go? Did we switch foods? Did that food go to a different competitor online, etc.? I can see that easily from my P&L. So that's that first revenue line item and that gives you your total for what you're bringing in to the clinic. And normally P&Ls will be broken down hopefully into a month by month basis, a quarterly basis, and a year over year basis. And remember, this is only one of three major business statements, but this is the one that I'm looking at month over month.
0: Yeah. And quick question on that. I mean, obviously you're looking at it monthly, but it sounds like a lot of the value also comes from the trends, right? Like after you've been doing this for a year and two years, and you have that data to look back on and trend line.
2: That's correct. Yep. So with Mosaic Veterinary Partners that I'm working with now, then um, looking at that mixed animal revenue model, it's a new model for me. So I'm really learning what those categories are, and I don't have those percents and those trends in my brain now. So it's it's a little bit harder. It takes time. I I feel very new at it compared to looking at a specialty or general practice trend.
0: Yep. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Um. I and I don't know. This is just side note. I don't. I right around when we graduated, that's when. Like dentistry was really coming on strong, right? Like it was like some clinics still didn't have dental equipment. And that was all the rage of like, look what you can add to your revenue. Like this dental machine pays for itself like immediately. And now dentistry is a huge part. Anyway, that's just a, a quick correct.
2: Thing. Now you look at ultrasound, ultrasound being the new radiology, you know, the new x-ray, everybody's got to have an ultrasound. uh, And that one's becoming one you do have to price in and look at capitalizing all the rest. Um, But again, going back to PNL and keeping things simple top line when I'm, when I'm trying to train a new manager in PNLs and budgets, there's two major categories on the expense side that I want them to focus in on. And if they can focus in on those items, and again, this is not, I, I learned this from, from my mentors and, and bosses previously, uh, you're going to do well. And those two main category line items are your payroll and your cost of goods or your cost of sales, depending on what you want to call it. Your payroll from a veterinary clinic standpoint, depending on what type of clinic you are, whether it is a general practice, hybrid, emerge, specialty or mixed animal is going to vary. But those percentages are going to be varied anything from 39% all the way to north of 50, which means for every dollar you bring in, you're spending at least 39 cents to 55 cents plus on the people and your personnel that you're bringing into that practice. So that's really important. That's half your business right there, dependent in veterinary medicine on your people and we need them. And we see, and I could see this in especially my specialty times that if my payroll numbers were too low, I knew I was going to have issues. It looks great. We're making money. It's fantastic. Nah, uh-uh. I've got burnout. I don't have enough support. I need to hire more. And so your PL tells you that.
0: Yeah. So you're saying if your payroll is down at that 39%, right on the low range even though you might think, okay, awesome, we have this expense really low. You're saying that's actually bad because you're burning people out. You're understaffed.
2: That's correct. Yeah, and we would break it down even further, and I do to this day. You know, you want to break that down into your veterinary costs, your tech and TA costs, your reception costs, and your manager's accounting, et cetera, administrative costs. I can break those down into percentages and tell w- whether those categories are also too low. And by doing so, you can really get into the details of which, depending on the size of your hospital or clinic, you have to do that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So, yep. I mean, I don't even know if there's an answer to this, and I'm sorry to throw a curveball at you, but when I see this, like that, what I hear, especially when you're talking to an associate uh, veterinarian, um, often people default to, "I should be paid more," right? Like that, that's that's where we go. And, and I mean, and good on you, cause you should be negotiating on your behalf. So how do you balance that when you have this metric 39 to 55%, obviously if you're blowing up to 60 and higher, it that happens. money's got to go from somewhere else. So how do you balance that uh, as a manager in a, in a hospital? Yeah.
2: So you try and balance the needs versus the wants and desires of your employees. So as an example, right now, in my out for Bridgeland vet clinic, my percentage of payroll is going to be above those levels that we just talked about. But then I know as revenue increases over time, I'm going to get to that percentage that I want. And for the team that I need there, I'm willing to pay more and it's going to balance off. The flip side happens though. If you're in a vet clinic where you have revenues decreasing or being stable pre COVID, that's where you look at it and go, Oh, can I, Can I, or should I be shaving off some of this payroll in order to allow capital expenditures and other costs within that business that are, you know, important. I wouldn't say just as important because your payroll is number one, but they are important. And sometimes you have to have that difficult discussion um, with your employees that says, I don't have enough at the end of the day to be able to give the raises. And that's a whole different HR discussion compared to what I would love to, but our business is not allowing for that right now. That's my reality.
0: Yeah, and it now
2: allows us to see that.
0: Yeah. I think it's a great uh, point and comment that as your business is in different phases, your sweet spot on some of these is going to be a different number, right? Like you're that's in correct. startup mode. So your revenue is going to take some time to catch your expenses. And that's just what it is, right? You have to staff the place.
2: That's correct. Yeah. And you want to staff that place appropriately and still be very conscious of that budget. So that's what that first line item. And again, there's a lot that goes into payroll uh, in terms of hours, staggered experience, et cetera. Uh, the second one that uh, in the importance factor is that cost of
0: goods, cost of sales. So this fits into- Sorry. one second. I have one more question on payroll because I think it's really important. Then I, I'll, we'll move on. Rough ballpark, because I know you don't have to drive into all HR thing. What when you pay someone x dollars per hour versus total comp pack, right? Because when you're saying thirty nine to fifty five percent, that is everything. That's not just their wage. Great point. So
2: uh, depending on your setup, your business setup, you could look at your benefits percentage being on your p and l an extra three to six percent on average on top of what those wages are. And then I just rough ballpark it as to saying, Anybody that I'm paying, just add another 15% for total employee costs. So if you're paying them hundred dollars, it's actually costing you as a business about $115. And I'm being very rough with that total. When you're talking about insurance benefits, employee benefits, everything that is entailed in bringing that employee in. And that's a, that's a sunk cost. You have to pay that. And if you're not, if you're not gauging for that number, uh, it's going to come out somewhere.
0: Yeah. And I, yeah, I just wanted to bring it up because it's a great yeah. point that, um, as employees, we can sometimes forget, you know, if even you're, you're getting paid hundred grand, but it actually costs 115 grand. Yes. So. Yeah. Very rough numbers again, yeah. based on experience. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the
2: second area where you can influence as a clinic manager, an owner is your cost of sales, cost of goods. So cost of sales, cost of goods would say anything that you are required from a supplies in order to be able to provide that service fits within that cost of goods or cost of sales again depending on what you want to call it. So examples of that would be your medical supplies, so any hospitalization, catheterization, needles, hubs, any of those little things, they add up depending on the size of your hospital. What does it cost you to run that x-ray service and or any of the administrative extras if you're sending them off for interpretations? What does your lab cost? This is a big one I run into with lots of different clinics. What are your actual lab Markups as compared to what your charges are. It's not cheap to run a lab, especially in clinic lab, as compared to moving out to IDEX, Antex of the world. What are you making on that? This is, a, you know, if you throw that rotor out, you're throwing that reagent pack out that's worth $600. That adds up very quickly. And sometimes that is forgotten about in the clinic. Third, and the most important, your pharmacy. So if we're looking at small animals or mixed animal or or specialty, there are some expensive drugs in there. And if they're being left to expire, that is cost of sales numbers going up and your money is just going right out the door. So if we can hold those numbers and your percentages can vary anything from, you know, if you're in an eMERGE hybrid where you have less cost of goods on hand, 16%, um, is a number that, you know, I, I know from experience. Uh, again, people could have different numbers, general practice, you're looking at, you know, that 22 to 26. And then if you're in a specialty world, it can be anything more than that, depending on what type of equipment you have in that practice, um, MRI, CTs, et cetera. Uh, and then inventory is so amazing because you have also food costs that go into that. And for us in Canada, food should and can make up up to 15 to 25 to 30% of your overall revenue. Smaller the clinic you have, the more that food makes up as a percentage of your revenue. Therefore, if you're not managing your food from an inventory standpoint, that just eats into your bottom line every single day. And I see so many practices that don't take advantage of next day deliveries, partnerships with, with, uh, food vendors or or partners. Same with our pharma partners. We're right in the middle of, of undergoing that right now with mosaic. It's great. And our partners want to help us. And what that does it decreases our inventory costs. That money all goes to the bottom line and we make more as a
0: result. And that's interesting, especially some of the costs you don't think about, um, You'd mentioned like uh, radiology gets sent out and you know, you have that fee that the specialist is charging back to the clinic. So sure. It might look good as, as a veterinarian, you build out whatever it is, 250 bucks for a radiology consult. It's like, well, you're getting charged back like a, a significant chunk. Right. And that has to be accounted for. And if
2: you're not marking it up, I literally had this conversation less than 24 hours ago. You need to mark it up enough. In order to also take on the additional costs for the technologist who actually has to send it through PACS or send the email, and/or the doctor, then from a veterinarian standpoint, that's reading the interpretation after spending the time on the phone call, they're not charging for that. So you have to have that marked up, and that goes into a cost, which again will end up on your PL. and it can skew the numbers very largely if you're not looking after it appropriately. Yep, and it's also it's it, it's a it's a it's added value price that the clinic can mark up and provide great value for and make money.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I want to keep us moving. So while we, we kind of hit some of the, the largest two expense, do we want to, you want to dive in deeper on any of those or where, where do we want to go? Again, very simply in the P&L,
2: we have hundred dollars. We've now spent 40 to $50 on payroll. We've spent 20 to $25 on cost of goods we're already up to 70%. Yeah. So my foreign boss would say if you can look at those two categories, you're 70 to 80 percent of the way there already. Yeah. On a PL, focus on those areas. Thirdly, we have general and administrative expenses. Those ones are really straightforward in a vet clinic. They should be between six to ten percent in a in a any time of clinic that's been in existence for time, that's got your rent, that has your phone, that has your internet, that has your small repairs, etc. Those things are pretty standard. You need to look after them, but it's not going to swing your PL one way or another in a big way unless you're completely ignoring it. Okay. So those general and administrative expenses, they add on another, again, like I said, 6 to 8%. So all of a sudden, what are you left with? You're left with your net income or what we would term your IBITDA your earnings before interest tax depreciation and amortization and in veterinary medicine right now, that is the hot topic. Okay. What is your EBITDA? Why should we be controlling above the line, which is everything we've just discussed. And what do we as clinic managers owners not have control over as much, which is everything below the line.
0: Perfect. Okay. I think this is a perfect spot to kind of uh, cut because we're going to come back to this. And on our next conversation, we're going to dive into that EBITDA and, and figure out exactly why is it so important. I know when Jonathan and I, we chat all the time like off the air, and he's he's always like dropping EBITDA this, EBITDA that, and multiples of vet clinics are selling at. Um, so we're going to dive into those things. For for Jonathan's cliffhanger, if a clinic earns $1, um, he's already given you some hints because we've spent close to 75 cents of that, at least some, give or take on, on just what you said already. Um, So we're, we're circling in on that answer and I guess you'll, you'll bring it home for us next time. There we go. Excellent. Lots of fun.
2: Hope this has value for people. And if I'm going too quicker into the weeds, let us know, please.
1: Thank you for listening to the Veterinary Project Podcast. As a recap, on behalf of our hosts, the Veterinary Project Podcast will be releasing new episodes weekly. So be sure to tune in as we bring you more conversations aimed at helping you enjoy a life well lived. If you enjoyed what you heard on the show and you want to stay in the know, please like, love, and or subscribe to the podcast on the listening platform of your choosing as we're available on all the usual suspects. If you know of others that may benefit from these conversations, we'd love it if you please share the show with them, as this will help us grow our community to reach more and more veterinary professionals. Speaking of which, if you are a veterinary professional and would like to get connected with more like-minded individuals who are joining us on this journey, please send an email to theveterinaryprojectpodcast at gmail.com, and we'll invite you to be a part of our private Facebook group. General feedback, requests for information, or perhaps requests to be a guest on the show can also be sent to the veterinary project podcast at gmail.com. Dr. Michael Bug and Dr. Jonathan Light, thank you for listening to the show. And we'll catch you again next week for another episode of the veterinary project podcast. Bye for now.